what's poppin' internet. This is a playoff preview edition of the Pace and Space podcast. We've been gone for a little bit, but we came back, we brought the fire, we brought the heat, we brought a jam-packed episode for you. And I am, as you already know, your good friend and host, Calvin, and with me, as usual, is my co-host, Leif. Leif, what's going on? some playoffs great regular season though but you know hey i'm ready for some real real action right now yeah me as well um great regular season phenomenal lots of surprises lots of disappointments um really it really was a good point to remember how you can kind of think how the season's all sewn up and this team's gonna run away with everything but it, it was really it was really good lesson in just letting the season play out this year yeah I mean it, it had to and I'm glad that the regular season was good we also had some action on yesterday Wednesday where those games actually did count for a lot of teams man so, yeah I mean, it made for it made for a good final night of the regular season, I must say. Yeah, I agree. There was tons of intrigue last night. There was still some final shuffling going on on the playoff seating. And with that being said, I mean, we have our playoff matchups now. We know who's going to face who, and we're going to break it down. So what we're going to do is we're going to do something a little different this week. Um, usually we, we do the dude and the dud of the week later on in the episode but they said let's switch it up and i agreed so what we're gonna do is we're gonna start off with the dude and dud of the week and then we're gonna get right into our playoff preview we're gonna start off with the eastern conference we're gonna start off with the western conference and then we're gonna do our finals predictions that's right so without further ado Leif, let us know who is first and foremost the dude of the week do I get a little drum roll? Okay, yes. Thank you. you know. It's tradition so, now. Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to it. You know, you don't do it, then it's like it doesn't really count. I, I got you. I got you. Gotcha, you know. All right, due to the week, it's got to go to Andre Ingram. It yes. Yes. It has to go. What a feel-good story. I mean, 10 years in the G League. 10 years. Ten years, and they asked him, "Why did you stay in it?" And he said, "You know, I thought I was always close." Hmm. And I mean, what an opening night! I mean, nineteen points, three rebounds, three blocks, and assists. He went four from five from three. Yeah. I mean, talk about ready to go. That was. That was a performance where somebody literally played from their heart, from their life. But they, I was like, they they poured their life into that game, into that performance. You know. Exactly, and then I mean, he played the final night. You know, he played thirty something minutes. He had five points, you know, six assists, three rebounds, two steals. I mean, not a bad stat line when you think about it. No, I mean, I mean it's, it's that was fine. Story. It was fine. I mean, 
we weren't expecting him to like all of a sudden become like an MVP candidate or anything. But I mean, he had the he had the storybook debut. That was about as good as it could have went. And you know, he got to he 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 got to basically make as much in these two games as he did like his whole time in the G League practically. Exactly. G League they make what 19,000 a year. And yeah. He made almost 14,000 just for those 3 days. Yeah, it's true. So, it was nice to see him out there. It was nice to see his wife supporting him. It was a real good story. You know, I'm not sure where he goes from here. Yeah. That that's that's the tough part. Hard to see where he goes from here. I mean, hopefully it will lead to him, you know, having some more call-ups. Like, you know, he gets a couple of 10-day contracts over the next couple of years at least or something like that. And that would be cool. It would be. I mean, even if the story ended here where, you know, he, he decided that, you know what, now it's time for me to retire. And you retire as a Laker, having been, having been on the team. Right. I mean, that you've reached your goal. Agreed. Agreed. I mean yeah, even even if he if this is where it stopped, it was a great it was a great, great story. So I, I love it. I love your choice for Dude of the Week. Um shout out to Andre Ingram. Very, very inspiring story. And uh so who's your dud? Who is your dud of the week? My dud of the week goes to several people. Several people. Okay. I, this is I, interesting. I, I grouped them up. I grouped them into a whole bundle. My duds of the week goes to everyone hating on Westbrook for trying to get to average that triple double. <laughs> I, I like that. I I did not see that coming. I like it. I really right. do. I, I wasn't gonna tell you about that one. I, I was holding it. Yeah. But I like the way he responded. If someone wanted to get 20 rebounds, they're going to get 20 rebounds. They're going to get 15. They're going to do what they can to get those numbers. And the fact that he got those numbers, we can't hate on it. So why are they making a whole thing out of it? Yeah. To me, that's really annoying. Yeah, I, I appreciated the point he made because everyone said, started talking about, oh, he's stat padding, that is bad for the game. Um, But he, he posed a very real point you know he said if you could get 20 rebounds why wouldn't you and it's it's one thing to say oh he shouldn't do that he should do this he should do that it's a it's a whole nother thing for for you to put yourself in the game and you know if you're feeling it if you're getting the numbers like that why would you stop exactly why would you so, I mean, yeah, we we like to kind of sometimes, and not not me and you. I shouldn't even say we. A lot of people in the media like to kind of take out this human element, and they want to make it just stat lines and spreadsheets, and it's all about efficiency and your your plus minus, but. So many of these players are not thinking like that on the court. And it's not their job to think like that on the court. Their job is to play the best they can and play as hard as they can. And you can say whatever you want about Russell Westbrook, but who here is going to be the first person to say that 
He lacks effort. He doesn't give you everything he has on the court every single night. Exactly. And and then we're and then not saying again, not saying us, but true. I'm gonna say we. We're the same ones when it comes down to talking about MVP players greatness. We look at their numbers. And we look at their effort. And Westbrook right now has is playing at a high level. And if he says, okay, look, I need 16 rebounds to make this achievement, then let him get the 16 rebounds. And he needed 16, he got 20. So, I mean, he yeah. did what he had to do. His team's in the playoffs. They're going to play at a very high level. So, what's the big deal? And that's why I feel like all those hating I'm talking about media. I'm talking about people. I've heard other people say, you know, it's it's selfish. These are the same ones when you talk about a player and what they do. They always want to talk about the stat line. Man, let Westbrook do what he do. Let him do what he has to do. These are the same ones who are like, I don't know how he's going to do when he's playing with Carmelo and Paul George, and he's played well. Right. So, let it be. Let it be. Yeah. Uh can't say it any better than that i mean that's a good point to lead it off on leave it at i mean a lot of this too is you know it's just backlash from him winning the mvp last year so all of the people that feel like he shouldn't have gotten the mvp over james harden you know him getting another averaging another triple double is just kind of triggering them and they want to they want to you know disparage or belittle the achievement but let him have this this is historic this is something special this is something nobody else has ever done in the nba and it's his achievement he's not taking an mvp trophy out of anyone's hands this year he's not taking money out of anybody's hands here this year with it it's not it's not damaging anyone else it's not damaging anyone really for him to make this achievement it didn't he didn't do it in spite of his team, um, team's playoff chances. In fact, this run he went on that got him to the point to average a triple-double again is part of what has saved their season in the second half of the year. Um, so I think it's just you just got to – everyone just needs to have some perspective on it. It's historic. If you're, it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea, but, but don't act like he didn't just do – what he did, which is achieve history. Yeah, so for all those haters, no, stop hating. Yeah, Just exactly. With, stop with, hating. Right now, appreciate what you're looking at. Appreciate, appreciate what you're witnessing. And Agreed. Agreed. So, I like that. So, dude, in Dead of the Week, we got it out the way. We're ready to go now. We've got our fully loaded playoff preview, and we're going to start with the East. We're going to start with the Eastern Conference. We're going to get into all of these matchups, and we're going to finish this off with our first-round predictions. So by the end of this segment, you'll know who we think is coming out of each matchup in the first round. Sounds good. Let's do it. So um, I have to start this off with a tweet that... Lends us to talking about probably the team with the biggest spotlight on them as we head into the playoffs. And that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I saw this tweet. 
I tried to find a tweet so I could say who who uh, who posted it, but I couldn't find the tweet again. So sorry, I'm not giving them uh, the name credit. But there is a tweet where they ranked all the playoff teams by average age, one through sixteen, and the Cavaliers ranked sixteenth. So they are the oldest team coming into the playoffs. And then the following tweet ranked all teams one through sixteen, all the playoff teams in terms of salary, and the Cleveland Cavaliers were the first team on that list. So they're the oldest, most expensive team heading into the playoffs. What do you think about that, Leif? It is a very startling thing when you think about it. Um, Shocking, actually. And at the same time, they did enough to get to this point. And so while it is shocking, while it is surprising, do I think that's going to play against the Cavs? I don't think so. Not yet. Okay. Well, so so let's get right into their matchup. So the Cavs. Do you, do you feel like it is? Well, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's, uh, right. So the Cavs, I mean, by far the work ever since lebron went to miami and has come back to cleveland this whole uh seven year stretch i think it is where he's been in the finals every year this is by far the worst a team he's been on has performed in these seven years and that has left them with the four seed i mean we thought they were at least gonna finish off in the three seed no philly passed them took that over with a with a very very strong end to the rest of the season so now they're in the four seed, and they're f- actually going to play the team they played last year. But it's a much different scenario this year as they go up again. They go up once again against the Indiana Pacers. I think last year it was the two seven matchup or the one eight matchup when they played each other. I think it was the one eight, right? I think it was like the 1-8. So, but now. They're the 4-5, a much tougher matchup, much tighter matchup in terms of record. And, I mean, this Pacer team just didn't happen to be fifth this year. This is a much better team than they were last year. They've got a lot more pieces. They got Thad Young now. They got Bogdanovich. They got Oladipo. Oladipo, you know, took the East by storm this year, really broke out. Phenomenal player, one of the best two-way players in the league right now, and you you couple that with you know Sabonis, Miles Turner. They've got some good bigs. I mean, Miles Turner's really been inconsistent um, last few months, but Sabonis has really uh, picked it up, and I think this is a tough matchup for Cleveland, to be honest. It's a tough matchup. It is. Um... I know you talked about the whole youth side on the side of Indy. Mm-hmm. But Cleveland has a guy yeah. who transcends whatever Indy's bringing. Okay. And that guy's name is LeBron James. I've heard of him. You've heard of him. Yes. You've heard about him a little bit. Yeah. I heard he plays basketball. This is the same guy who gets better every year. 
Yeah. Same guy who's played 82 games this season. First time in his 15-year career. Mm-hmm. Is the same guy who's averaged highs in rebounds and assists and has showed no signs of slowing down. The same guy. Okay. I'm not sure whether or not Indy has much of a chance. And that's fair, and I see where you're coming from. And, you know, and all these things you're saying are true. On the flip side, LeBron's playing fantastic. He's playing as good as ever. This might even be his, his best year yet, at fi- year 15. And that is very, very, very impressive. But he's also carrying water for probably the worst team he's had to play with during his time where he was considered the front runner in the conference or in the league. He was on some bad cast teams before, but that was when he was still working his way up to being the top player in the league. Since he's had that status, since the first time he left Cleveland and went to Miami and then came back, he has not played on a team this bad since the since the last time he left Cleveland. 29th in defensive efficiency. Can you can you remember the last time there was a a finals favorite who was ranked that low in defensive efficiency? No. And and as great as LeBron has played historic even, we just said he keeps getting better and better, probably his best year yet. The team finishes with one of their worst records since he's been there, since he's been at the height of his powers. Mm-hmm. So you know what you know what all that tells me? Tell me. That still tells me that we're at a point in time where LeBron being LeBron is not a given to be enough. These I, these other guys are gonna have to step up. They're they're gonna have to step up. Kevin Love's gonna have to step you up. J.R. Smith's thing. gonna have to step that's the up. Thing. You have to put the regular season away. Regular season's gone. And I know what we saw. I know we saw struggles and everything, but put the regular season away. And right now, we're, it's a whole new season. It's a whole new thing. Everyone's level. Uh, I, I see where you're going. I see where you're going with this. And and that's where I feel when you look at this team and you compare, did they struggle towards the end? Yes. I mean, you changed your whole team. Sure, sure. You, you, you changed your whole team. This team doesn't have experience. Now, I am not saying that the Cavs are just going to roll over all the teams in the East and make their way into the finals. I'm not saying that. But I think the Cavs have enough in them to show up for a series against Indy and win. I mean, they should. They have to. It may not be 4-zip. It might be 4-1. It might be 4-2. But they're gonna go in there and show up. I let me say, I believe LeBron's gonna show up. I even believe Kevin Love is gonna show up. 
I don't know about the rest of that team. Look. I don't know about the rest of that team. Like, you know, you said throughout regular season. I mean, J.R. Smith might just be washed at this point. J.R. Smith is not even a factor in my mind. Okay, Tristan Thompson, washed. Tristan Thompson has enough problem on his plate right now. Yes. And then the other guys, who who are guys I like. Jordan Clarkson, I love Jordan Clarkson. First playoff experience coming up right now. Larry Nash Jr., I love him. I love his energy. Also, first playoff experience. Rodney Hood, he, this is only his second time going into the playoffs. And last year, he didn't do much. So you've got three guys that are key to their rotation that have no little to no playoff experience. All of a sudden, this team is relying a lot on Jeff Green. That's a wildly inconsistent player. Wildly inconsistent player. I agree. Uh, it's not even like you can say... Now, he's a guy we do have a large sample with. And he's not even a guy you can say, well, you know what? He's inconsistent, but in the playoffs, he usually pr- puts out these these clutch performances. It's it's still hit or miss in the playoffs, too. I agree. I, I, I'm, so, I'm all there with you. So, I, this is going to be a difficult series. Cavs are the favorites. Cavs are the I'm, favorites. Yeah, let me I'm, let me say I'm, that. I'm they huge. should get out of this first round. They, they should. should. But we are sitting here talking about the Indiana Pacers. Not saying that they're a bad team. Wait, no, no. You don't don't disrespect the Pacers like that. They're not a bad team. But we're not going to sit here and talk about and, and start saying, oh, man, the Cavs, oh, they got to struggle. We... Let's let's not even go there. They're gonna go into this series and they're going to win. It's to me, it's not okay. It's so, in how many games? Discussion. How many games they win it in? I'm gonna say in five or six. Five. Or six. I I would say this is at least going six, at least. And who's gonna win? Pacers in seven. Oh. Next, <laughs> I have I have to do this, ladies. I you have to. I have to do. This. I, have have to to do this. I know. Go ahead. Fine. Whatever. This, sure. this, this is my thing. This is my shtick. You know, it's it's my brand. I have to be the one that's always, always pronouncing the end of LeBron's reign. That's just just who I am. So let's let's keep going. Let's keep going. I, I um. Know, I, yeah. Go ahead. I know. We'll talk about that another time. You know, your anti-LeBronisms. Yes, yes. We'll do that another time. Um, so let's go into another one that I think is very, very juicy. And, I mean, again... I have a gut feeling what we're going to talk about. Again, my my haterisms might might be revealing itself here. But let's, let's go to Celtics Bucks. Really? Let's go. Let's go to Celtics Bucks right now. So, Boston Celtics. Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. Sure. We'll talk about that one. That's the one you thought I was going to talk about? No. Okay. Okay. So, I want to talk about Celtics Bucks. Okay. Because, I don't know, man. I am... The Bucks are a mess. Um, they're, they're, they're a disappointment in my eyes for falling to the seventh seed. 
I thought they would have did much better this year. Um, the the coaching upheaval, the the bad defense, it, it's all it was all pretty disappointing this year. Now, having said that, we're going into a playoff series where the Boston Celtics don't have Kyrie Irving, don't have Gordon Hayward, don't have Marcus Smart, are relying on Jason Tatum, a rookie, a rookie who just started to get more more looks, more offense run, running through him. As Kyrie, as as it was revealed, Kyrie wasn't coming back, and and Jalen Brown, good young players, but young players all the same. A smart defensive anchor and Al Horford, but not someone who's going to take over a game offensively. This is the situation they have, and they're going up against a team that flat out has the best player in this series. For all of Milwaukee's faults, Giannis Antetokounmpo is, by leaps and bounds, the best player in this series. Absolutely. And this, this actually, this is the first time I think that the Bucks and Giannis are in the playoffs, and he's clearly the best player on the court. Last year, we realized he was the best player on the court when they they played that Toronto series, but no one was expecting him to be. Everyone was, was expecting DeRozan or Lowry to be the best player on the court, right? Right. But this year, Giannis has had an amazing season, and this is seven games where they're going to have to figure out how to deal with him. And I don't know if they can do it. So what is your prediction? I got I got Bucks and six. I have Bucks and seven. Yeah, Bucks. And, I didn't go Bucks and seven because I don't trust them to win Game Seven in Boston. So if it goes seven, I think Boston goes on to the second round. I'm still gonna stick with my Bucks and seven. So, but I think they'll do it in six. Um, they haven't they haven't looked good trying to stop Giannis in, in this season, in the regular season. He he's had big games against them. And I mean, this is this is a team that has a lot of length. And even though Celtics are great at ball movement, now they're missing that that go-to dynamic scorer. Um, I would not assume Jason Tatum is going to have his coming out party when he's got Chris Middleton and Giannis guarding up on him for the whole series. And it's just very interesting. I, I know Brad Stevens is far and away the better coach in this series, but I don't know if that trumps Giannis being the best player in this series. Well, he probably has a plan. He pro- the, the Boston is probably thinking right now, you know, they got better ball movement. They got plan. They, as, a, as a team, they're very cohesive. But at the same time, when you're playing against Giannis, and we're not just talking about Young. We're talking about Chris Middleton. We're also talking about Eric Bledsoe, Parker. We're also talking about Bledsoe. We also this team is not a bad team. They got length. You got to go against mm-hmm. them, and it's gonna come a point in the fourth quarter. And we know how the Celtics usually are. They're usually down in the fourth quarter, and they usually have somebody who's able to bring them back into the game. Mm-hmm. Last year, Isaiah. 
this, earlier this year, Kyrie, and they're going to look around and they're going to try to find that person, and it's going to be Jason Tatum. Yeah, I mean, sorry, that's not going to cut it. So, and during the season, it was Terry Rozier, and I mean, Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum, they can close out games during the regular season. But when you have the same opponent for a whole playoff series, I think it's a different thing. And, you know, not for nothing. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but I think in this Milwaukee team, you're facing a team that's better than its record talent-wise. And this is a team that, you know, if they just have to focus on one opponent for seven games... You know, maybe we start seeing some things. Maybe we start seeing that defense they were putting together last year. You know, because they have the length, they have the personnel, and you know, maybe Joe Prunty just says, "You know what? Let's start switching now," because they got the guys to do it with. And Boston's not gonna have that guy that can break down the the defense and get a shot like Kyrie could, like Isaiah could. Last year, Tatum has that potential, but I think it's a lot to ask of him to do it this year. Yeah, so we we're pretty easy with that one, right? So okay, cool. so well, so we're gonna go to we're gonna go to your boys next. We're gonna go Thank to you. yes, we're gonna go to the Sixers versus the Heat. Let's go. I mean, Leif, I got Sixers and five. I got Sixers and five as well. I mean, I know there's some concerns with Embiid, but this team has been rolling right now, even with Embiid on the shelf. They're not going to be scared of Hassan Whiteside. Why do you sound so down? You sound, you just, you sound like you just, where's your excitement about this? Like, because I don't know, I because I you know why? Because I don't want to see the Miami Heat facing the Sixers. I want to see the Sixers facing some real comp. Are you trying to say Miami's not real comp? I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really believing they're that they're real. I'm not. I'm not believing that they're real comp. I'm, this, I might eat these words. I don't know, but they're real competition. Don't sleep on Miami. I'm not sleeping on Miami. In fact. At first, I wanted to say Sixers and six, but I want to be very aggressive and go with five. I, I think it's five. I think it's five. I think if MB comes, if MB's playing, he's gonna eat Whiteside alive. That's just me. I I think he's just gonna eat Whiteside alive. He's made he made him look bad every time they played each other this season. I mean, like bad. Like Whiteside's getting, if Whiteside's got like five fouls in the third quarter. Because he doesn't know what to do with him. And Miami's also one of these guys where it's like a bunch of guys doing different things. But who's the who's the closer? Are you going to is Wade going to be the closer? Is he are you just hoping he turns back the hands of time and, and can be the closer for the for the playoffs? Exactly. Wade is going to turn back the hands of time. That's who they're counting on right now. And I love that idea, and if he could do that, Wade's my guy, so I would be very happy to see him doing that. But I also saw how that looked two years ago when they were when they were playing that series with Toronto. And the games kind of got away from them in the fourth quarter when he was trying to close them out. 
So, I don't know. I I think Philly. I think Philly is meant for big things in this playoffs. I think so too. They they're riding high, a lot of momentum. This I mean, this is a very underwhelming, underachieving, disappointing Eastern Conference. And all of a sudden, these young guys are clicking, have put it together, and I mean, except for a messed up cheekbone, are a hundred percent healthy and rolling right now. Exactly. That's the only we think slowing him down right now. Embiid said he's not going to be ready for game one, but he expects to be ready for yeah. game two. You're also talking, you're looking at um, Markel Fultz, youngest player ever to get a triple-double. I saw that. Still can't shoot, but he can get triple-doubles. You know what? He can't shoot, but he is sure driving in and making his layups, showing some aggression. Showing... I mean, yeah, the athleticism showing out. The athleticism showing out right now. And that is what we didn't see in the beginning of the season, and now we're seeing it now. Mm-hmm. And you have that coming off the bench, and so you're looking good. You talked about shooting. Shooting was something that we criticized the Sixers for not having in the beginning of the season. And now all of a sudden they, they got shooting. Redick, it's Redick and Coverton, Bellinelli, Eliasova. Eliasova. You've taken this team, and they've added the right pieces. They've built, mm-hmm. and look, there's a lot to get excited about. So I'm all excited. I'm all in. I'm ready for the playoffs to start. And so, I, yeah, Sixers, Sixers and five. Let's go. Sixers and five. So that takes us to the last matchup in the East, which is the Toronto Raptors, the number one seed, going against the Washington Wizards, the number eight seed. And first off, I have to say it's so disappointing to see the Wizards as the eighth seed. It is. When I wanted to talk to you about who were our biggest biggest disappointments, and initially I was gonna say out of all the eight playoff teams in the East, the Bucks were my biggest disappointment, but I think it has to be the Wizards. Like it has to be the Wizards. They were. You know, they were five Kelly Olenek threes from being in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And to go from that to being the eighth seed this year in a year where so many teams were underperforming, I mean, they should have been doing what Toronto did. Just use their consistency, use use their their the fact that they had they knew each other and they were embattled and they had these playoff series together use that to just say we're going to the next level now i mean the way everyone else has been playing in the east it should have been one it should have been one and two toronto and washington this year true but now let's go back for a second they also didn't have wall for half the season. He only played 41 games this season. But they played good for a lot of the stretch while it was out. That is true, too. <laughs> the big, the true. biggest problem was how how underwhelming they looked coming out the gates this year. The first half of the season was very disappointing. That They should have been playing way better than they were. Lost a lot of games they shouldn't. Running their mouths and then not backing it up. This is true. So... This that's my problem, and you know I've been a I've been a big John Wall fan, 
but you know this is this is kind of a uh this is kind of a crossroads point for John Wall this season, you know, how how everyone um started uh pointing out how much more the ball was moving when when he was injured, when he was out. I mean, some of that was by necessity, but I think also some of that was because it was much easier to do that once Wall was not in there dominating the ball. I mean, it, I mean, if it was just something that wasn't their team, what the team wanted to do, you could have easily seen Bradley Beal like going iso ball and controlling the ball, but he wasn't really doing that. He was running a team system with Sadoransky and with Otto Porter and with Kelly Oubre. And I mean, this is a year where they've got they got improvements from Otto Porter. They got improvements from Kelly Oubre. They got a guy step up out of nowhere in Thomas Sadoransky or Tomas Sadoransky. And despite those gains, they finished worse. And I know some of that comes to comes with the fact that after a while they did get exposed for not having John Wall. But John Wall came back and they still lost games that they shouldn't have lost. Like that game to the, what was it? They lost to the Magic, right? The other day? That should have never happened. Should have never happened. So I say that all that to say that even though this team has a lot of talent, and this should be a very dangerous one eight matchup. I'm giving it to Toronto. I think Toronto six games max. They're on to the next round. You're doing better than me. We got Toronto in five. I have Toronto in four. You sweep. So you just you just feel like Washington is gonna disintegrate under their own uh, terrible team chemistry. The Raptors right now are just on another wavelength. So and I don't even think Washington's there. And <laughs> look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that they at least get a game. But nah, I can't even see it. And I don't have too many sweeps in my mind. Right. But, and I usually don't say a sweep. But That's your first sweep of the night so far. Toronto and four. Toronto and four. Wow. Okay. So so that's our that's our first round prediction. So we both have Toronto advancing over Washington. Leif says in four. I say in six. Leif has Cleveland beating Indiana in how many games? I said five or six. Five or six. Which one you feel stronger about? Six. Okay, so you got Cleveland in six. I got Indiana in seven. Sixers, Heat, we both said Sixers in five. And then Milwaukee and, and Boston, I said in si- I said Bucks in six. You're saying Bucks in seven. So that's how the East plays out. Um, now let's get into the Western Conference matchups. And I'm going to keep it real simple, and I'm going to just start off with the 1-8 matchup because I want to talk a little bit about Minnesota because uh, Minnesota needed to get in on the last day. They basically played, yeah, they played the team that could have took their spot. It was the Nuggets versus the T-Wolves. Basically, whoever won that game got into the playoffs as the 8th seed. Um, And, you know, fortunately for Minnesota, they got in. They ended this 13-year playoff drought 
they finally got back in the playoffs again. But despite that, I wanted to ask you, how do you think Minnesota should feel about their season? This might surprise you that I'm going to say this. I think they're going to look at their season as a success. You know what, though? Objectively speaking, taking all context out, it's a, it's a, a, it's a unanimous success. Like, there really shouldn't be no debate to that. You end the 13-year playoff drought. You, your first year where you made a, where you made a significant move to turn into a playoff team, you became a playoff team. You made those moves. You got Jimmy Butler. You signed Tobbs Gibson. You signed, you signed Jeff Teague. You brought in those veteran guys to pair with your young guys. And so you have a young core that you're finally getting into the playoffs with some great veterans around them. That's the success. Having said that, with the talent on this team, with the way they were playing at one point, they should have been a higher seed. Like this is this should have been a top four team in the West. I understand that, but here you go. I know Jimmy Butler injury. No, no, not 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 even. You say it should be a top four team in the West. Mm -hmm. In my mind, we can't even say that they're not because only two games separates the third to the eighth seed. I I see where you're going. It it it's just uh. there are a few bounces of the ball right. and a buzzer beater away from being the third seed. Right. If, if Jimmy Fair. Butler doesn't get hurt for all that time. They probably stay the four or five seed. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. So I can't even look at it and say, man, it was a failure. It, it, it wasn't. It, they're in the playoffs. And, and I remember for a while on this pod, he kept talking about, oh, man, the – the Wolves, they're they're three now. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Thunder, they're three. Jazz, they're three. Look at the Pelicans, now they're four. It's been going round and round this it has. whole time. It has. And so for the fact that the the Wolves got in, I'll take that. You I know, don't think their season is as disappointing as some other teams who've made the playoffs. You know what? That's that is true. That is true, and that's fair. And I agree with you. Actually, I agree with you. You know, I I am personally a little disappointed. I do feel like this team is better than being the eighth seed. Um, I mean, having said that, I don't think they have any chance against the Rockets. No, not at all. I like to me, it's I think it's Rockets in five. I go Rockets and. Yeah, it's yeah. For one, Jimmy Butler's back, but you can see he's not a hundred percent. And what made this team as good as it was when they were the three or four seed in the West was that Jimmy Butler was playing at a level, at a, you know, at an elite superstar you know, top five MVP MVP vote voting level. And if he's, you know, if he's like 70, 75% right now, that's not enough to really 
give yourselves even a fighting chance against this Houston team. They needed they needed Jimmy Butler at 100% because you can still see that Towns and Wiggins, they're just not ready yet. They're just not ready, especially Wiggins. And, I mean, Tibbs all year has never really shown any willingness to put together an offense that has Towns be the focal point of it. So given those factors, and then also the fact that they're not a good defensive team, and James Harden and Chris Paul are going to pick these guys apart in the pick and roll. Non-stop. Just, just, I mean, they're just going to obliterate them. It's not even going to be fair. Um, you know, it's not even something where Tibbs can, like, kill these guys with his rotations because this is, this is a, I mean, for as much pace and space we talk about with, with, with Houston, this is a very ISO-heavy team. James Harden is, like, the the leading player when it comes to isolation points. Chris Paul runs a lot of isolation. He runs a lot of pick and roll where he gets himself open. He breaks down his def- his defender. I mean, they do this five out thing where there's nobody at the basket, and if they and if they try to do something where they keep Towns at the in the paint, they're gonna put him in pick and roll where he has to guard Chris Paul or James Harden on the three point line, and that's not gonna work. That's gonna be brutal. He's it, gonna break an ankle out there. Yeah, it's just not gonna work. So I mean, this Houston team has much bigger aspirations and. While this is a scrappy, tough Minnesota team, I don't really see them posing much of a threat. Nope, not at all. Yeah. So, so you know, we're gonna. I, I go. I'm. I'm kind of going in order here a little bit. Um, I'm going next to Warriors Spurs. Um, Warriors Spurs. You know, Warriors. They're not gonna have Steph in the first round, but. Spurs don't have Kawhi, which I think is a bigger blow to them than it is for the Warriors not having Steph. And, but before I even get into this matchup, there was some talk that the Warriors were fortunate that the seeding broke out the way it did and that they didn't have to face OKC in the first round. Do you agree with that? Do you think the Warriors were fortunate that OKC didn't drop to the seventh seed? Absolutely. Absolutely? Hmm, okay. okay. Why you say that? Why you say absolutely? Because they don't want to play OKC. They, yeah. they, they, they can't play OKC right now. Nope. That's that's a first-round matchup that they're not looking for. They're looking for an easier first-round matchup and playing OKC with, without Curry? Yeah, That's tough. I mean, for all their faults on defense and for all the inconsistency they've they have as a team, that being the Thunder, OKC was probably the one team that was going to smell blood in the water and and, and go for it, you know, against this Warrior team. You know, San Antonio Pop. I mean, he he knows how to exploit a team too. But this year he just doesn't have the horses to do it. Nope, he doesn't have it. So, so even though this is like the second worst potential matchup in, on paper for the Warriors with San Antonio, San Antonio just doesn't have the personnel. Now I'm gonna leave some leeway out here because I don't really trust this Warriors team without Steph Curry. I, I've talked to you about this before. I 
am adamant in saying that Stephen Curry is the best player on the Warriors. Stephen Curry is the most important player on the Warriors. When when it's when Steph Curry is on the court, th- this is still an elite team. This is still a title contending team. When it's KD in charge of this team instead of Curry, I just I just don't see that same definite ceiling. So and I say that to say that this Spurs team may be a little surprising. I mean, this is a team is is different last year when they lost Kawhi because this is this is a team that has had LaMarcus be the guy all year and they know how to play that way. And they've got a lot of, you know, they've got a lot of good they've got a lot of good players that know their roles. I mean, they don't have the elite talent, but they've got a lot of scrappers. The one guy who could make an interesting difference in this series if he if he's ready for that moment is DeJounte Murray. If DeJounte Murray, if he has like his his coming out party in this series, then I think Spurs have a chance to win this series. Because, you know, Quinn Cook's not gonna know what to do with DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray's got like two or three more inches on on him. He's a he's a super athletic guy. He's gonna get to the line. He's gonna be able to get get he's a great rebounder as a point guard too. So it if he if he's able to embrace this moment and like basically blossom into what Pop's been trying to get him to become in this series, then the Spurs have some life and could maybe even go the distance with this Warriors team, especially if LaMarcus Aldridge is gonna be able to put up scoring lines like like they need him to in this series. So my take on it too, and I agree with you to an extent, that you need Murray to step up. You you're also gonna have to count on guys like Ginobili and Tony Parker. These are guys who you're counting on which Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. I I'm not sure you can count on these players. But the one thing that I do think is that if there's someone who knows how to play against Golden State, it's Pop. Exactly. He knows how to play them. And last year, when Kawhi went down, LaMarcus wasn't having a good season. No. He wasn't having a good playoffs. And so he didn't show up. That was also very sudden. Losing Kawhi was a gut punch at that point in the season. This year, they've been without him all year. And so you've had guys step up, whether it's, I think it's Anderson or... Yeah. I think his name is Anderson. Yeah, Kyle Anderson. He, yeah, Kyle Anderson. He had a you solid season, like yeah. Step up. So now you're going to start to see these guys play more, um, stretch the floor out, and try to match them shot for shot. And then you're also going to have Aldridge down there you know, wreaking havoc down there in the paint. You have, at the same time, this isn't a matchup that I think it's going to be a sweep. Uh, not by, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a closer series than we might expect on a per-game basis. Right. I, I agree with that. I think yeah, per game, you know, there's not gonna it's not gonna be really like a blowout or like winning by ten. Like, Warriors are probably gonna have to close out these games in the last minute. Right. 
So yeah. Pop, so, Pop so, knows how to Pop knows how to play KD. Pop knows how to play LeBron. Right. I mean, outside. except that KD is a different guy. KD can shoot. LeBron, they dared him to shoot. Right. So I think having said all that, I'm gonna go with with Warriors and six. This was kind of like the hardest one for me really to form an opinion on because I'm not really too crazy about the Spurs not having Kawhi and I'm also not that crazy about the Warriors without Curry. So I was kind of just really like looking. I was kind of down on both teams when I looked at this matchup, but end of the day I'm going to say Warriors in six because they – they have to beat this team. They they have to be able to beat this team as they are currently constructed. I mean, if they got bumped in the first round, that would that would be brutal. That would be brutal. I don't see them getting bumped. Not like that. But I, I'm with you. Six. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna go to. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should just go in order because uh, the four-five is is actually my most enticing matchup. That's the one I'm excited about the most in the West. But I am the second one. The one I'm sec the most the second most interested in is uh, the three-six Blazers versus Pelicans. And the reason this is so fascinating to me is the Pelicans are sixteen. But the Pelicans also have the best player in this series, in Anthony Davis. But they don't have the best player where it's like they're running away with that because Damian Lillard is is up there too. And these are two of the hottest teams in the second half of the season going against each other. And so I just I just find this matchup very interesting because you got Lula and McCollum, but then the Pelicans. I mean, for all you all we said about their lack of uh, talent on this roster and how Anthony Davis is kind of carrying them, the Pelicans actually have the perfect backcourt to be a problem for Portland. Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo are exactly the type of guards, type of backcourt you would want to go up against a team that has Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, don't you think? They are. So it's like extremely fascinating because on the flip side, Portland really is not prepared to handle Anthony Davis up front. I mean, who is, right? So, Nurk, but Nurk is defensively, that's going to be a problem for him. It's going to be a problem. And I know you're just sitting back. You're kind of observing this. I mean, end of the day, I'm picking Blazers, but I don't feel good about it. Gotcha. So here's my take on it. I think that in order for the Blazers to win this game, Lillard and McCollum are going to have to go off. Right. I mean, that's, that's that's their team structure in general anyway. They have to go off. They can't have any Anthony Davis big games. Um, and he's gonna. No one's gonna stop Anthony Davis. And he, you know, I wouldn't be surprised for this series if he averages 
35 and 15. Yeah, I mean, like, the key for Portland is going to have to be, I mean, as funny as it sounds, they're going to have to try and keep Davis only to, like, 35 and 10 nights and just hope he doesn't have, like, 50 and 15 nights on them. Which he's good, which he could do. My worry about the Pelicans, though, is the rest of the roster. I know I'm not worried about Drew Holiday and Rondo. Um, Anthony Davis is gonna do him. Um, I mean, they do have Meritage, which is yeah. Meritage was a good pickup for them. A good pickup, but after that, I kind of start to say, hmm. Right, which is which is why I ultimately am picking. The Blazers. Um, but, I mean, playoff Rondo is still a thing. I mean, Rondo is still a thing. Chicago yeah. almost upset the Celtics last year before he got hurt. But you also got Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Nurkic. You also got Harkless. And uh, I mean, you got... Drew Holiday's really good, too, though. I mean, I, everyone laughed at the contract Drew Holiday got. But now we're almost at the point where we're like criminally underrating how good Drew Holiday is. Drew Holiday, he's a two-way player. I mean, a lot of people are talking about him, like a lot of basketball people, like media guys, guys that know what they're talking about. A lot of them are talking about putting Drew Holiday like second team all defense this year. And he's had like his best offensive season statistically, 19 points per game, still getting around six assists per game, even though he's not the main playmaker. That's been Rondo for a lot of the season. Um, he's really picked it up on, on his three-point shooting, just his all-around offensive game. I mean, when you look at, like, you know, second options on on teams and you look at what those guys are producing, I mean, if you took if you just took the names off, you would be like, wow, man, and, Whoever this guy is playing next to Anthony Davis, this is a legit number two option, and and it's Drew Holiday. Yeah. But you know the depth is good. Yeah, and but the thing is, you stop at the depth. The depth is what gives you pause. You know, they're they're Solomon Hill. They're gonna need him to to be you know a solid contributor contributor, and 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 that's an open question mark. And and then you know, Etwan Moore, Ian Clark, those guys are gonna be, those guys are those guys are gonna be good coming off the bench, but when the other team is Portland, and they've got Lillard and McCollum, you're probably gonna need Holiday and Rondo on the court as much as possible. So that kind of takes away the only depth you really have because those your depth is also in the backcourt. Right. So long story short. I think Blazers is gonna go. They're gonna go to the next round. Lillard and McCollum. I mean, they're gonna get. They're gonna have. It's gonna be difficult for them, but I think they're gonna be able to do enough to win the games. And then, you know, Nurkic, Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, the rest of that roster. Those they're they're solid contributors. Zach Collins. He's been uh, he's been coming on strong in the second half of the season. That's another big guy. So I think the fact that, and I think the fact that 
Portland can even go too big, like they could actually play like Nurkic and Zach Collins together, that might be the edge they need in order to overcome uh, what uh, New Orleans is able to do with Anthony Davis. Yeah. So with that said, I'm going Pelicans in seven. So Pelicans in seven? I think I'm going to say Blazers in seven. Like Sounds I said, good. like I said, I'm going Blazers, but I don't feel good about it. So now, the 4-5 matchup. The Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Utah Jazz. Not really, but but we're going to do it. But I actually, I feel like this is a great series. There's a lot of things that interest me in this series. And um, I'm really impressed with this Utah team, first and foremost. Um, Donovan Mitchell is amazing. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see how he performs in a playoff series. I mean, it's impressive and uncommon enough for him to be the leading scorer and focal point of an offense during the regular season that was playoff worthy in terms of record it's even another level to then go into a seven game series and be the focal point of offense as a rookie so there are concerns with that having said that and i know this is crazy life I know, after everything we've talked about all season, after everything I've said about these teams, I'm picking Jazz to win this series. In how many? Jazz in six because you. I do not see Utah being able to pull out a game seven in Oklahoma City. Okay. Okay, fair, fair. I look at this series, and I think Utah is a nice up-and-coming team. I like what you have there on that team. Mitchell's playing great. Um, Rubio, uh, I mean, he's playing on a high level. Gobert, another high-level guy. This is a team that you have to like. You have to really like this team. Jay Crowder woke up from the dead once he got traded over there, too. That's another. I, that's another I, I wrinkle. Wasn't done. It was just where he was in Cleveland. Yeah, and for whatever reason, it didn't work for him in Cleveland. But he went to Utah. Utah knew how to use him. I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, Quinn Snyder is a. He's a really good coach. Um, they've got a lot of weapons on that team. Um, you know, they've got, they've, you know, they've got Joe. Even even a guy like Joe Ingles, like nobody talks about that guy, but he's shooting like over forty percent from three plays really good defense, and this is a team that this that's what they're going to do. They're going to play elite defense, and they have just enough offense to beat you out. Right. And Oklahoma City Thunder, they're actually not the defensive team they used to be. Ever since Roberson went down, their defense defensive efficiency has cratered. I mean, as a team... Is crater and then individually, without Roberson next to him, Paul George has dipped really bad. Like especially on defense, he hasn't been the same guy. Um, his offensive numbers have taken a hit the second half, and it's kind of, you know, this big three has kind of just been like a big one and two thirds. 
in the second half of the year. It's been Westbrook basically carrying this team, which is crazy to think he has to carry a team that has another superstar in Paul George and has another star in Carmelo Anthony. But that's what's been the case. And it's that it's that same hero ball. And unless, you know, unless Paul George regains his form, unless Melo catches fire, I think they're, I think the way they play is going to fall right into the hands of Utah's defense. Okay. I do not disagree with what you said. However, I'm going to put this out there. I do think that this is a team who is going to be able to overcome the the D of Utah. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. And I think that they're going to find a way to win without Westbrook carrying this team. One of the things that we saw and one of the things that kind of led to this team playing better towards the middle of the season was when you had Melo playing more off the ball, more of a catch-and-shoot kind of guy. That kind of worked out for them. I also kind of see um, Paul George still doing what he's doing. And I think when you put all that together, I think that's going to add to this team playing well. So I don't – I think the playoffs is go, are going to wake up something in them that's going to change – that's going to help them change the way that they will play in the past. And I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful. Yeah, I, I can see this series going six games OKC. And that's fair. So I think we're, we're both at eight games. But uh, you've got OKC winning. I've got Utah winning. That's, that's the West. We did the East. We did the West. That's our preview. So just recapping the West. We both had Rockets beating the T-Wolves in five, right? Um, we, I said Warriors in six. What did you say? War, you said Warriors in how many? I said Warriors. You said Warriors in six, right? Mm-hmm. Over Spurs. Over Spurs. Yeah, six. Yeah, that's okay, right. Six. Blazers, Pelicans. You got Pelicans in seven. I have Pelican. I have Blazers in seven, and for OKC and Utah, I have Utah in six. You have OKC in six. Yep. So, so I mean, this is some good. This is some good stuff. I mean, we're actually going head to head on on some of these predictions. We're not just kind of echoing each other and saying the same things. I like this. I like how this is going. Um. So so we got to wrap up this whole preview with. Our NBA Finals predictions. NBA now, Finals predictions. Now, is this something where, you know, we're going to set these predictions and then we're going to, if one of these teams don't make it in the next round, we get to change them a little bit? Or how are we going to do this? Well, I mean, we're going to have to change them because it wouldn't be much of a podcast if we're still, like, saying, oh, no, like, you know, that team should have still went to the Finals even though they're out. Like, that's not going to be for much of a conversation. So I think we gotta allow ourselves to come back, have our mea culpa, 
and then you know say who we think looks good moving forward at that point but okay yeah. so, who you got all right so you want me to go first all right so i have as my nba finals uh prediction the houston rockets facing the philadelphia 76ers with houston winning in six That's very crazy for me to say. I'm not a Dan Tony guy. You know that. I haven't really believed in this team all year. And now I'm saying they're going to the finals. And then this Philly team, where I was the last one to believe they would stay healthy, here it all comes together. Now they, they're, they're the best-looking team in the East right now. So here I am, Houston, Philly. Why not? It's fun. It's different. I'm happy with that choice. Okay. I'm I'm going to go I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm gonna go Golden State for a fourth straight year mm-hmm. and I'm going to go Sixers not that's not just fandom Warriors versus Sixers I, I mean I like that too that's a fun matchup Warriors versus Sixers. So, and who you got winning that series? I have Golden State winning. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay. I have Golden State winning in six. In six. All right. Yeah. It's good. Warriors in six over six. So we both got the Sixers going to find. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about the East. One, that tells you about how disappointing a lot of teams are. Two, that tells you how neither of us believe in the Raptors, even though they're the number one seed and, you know, have played the best all year. And also, too, it just shows you how how easy it is to get, I guess, uh, get smitten by this, this Sixer team, you know, and the way they're playing and and you see the the level of talent they have. I mean, end of the day, let's just be real. I mean, this is the, the out, you know, other than like the Warriors and and the Rockets, this is the only other team with like two top fifteen players in the NBA. Oh yeah. And yes, I am putting Ben Simmons in that discussion. There you go. On. Yes, beautiful. I would still give Donovan Mitchell Rookie of the Year though. Let's pause for a second. But yes, Simmons not is that good. Simmons, well, let me not say that. Not give Donovan Mitchell the rookie of the year. I think they should win co-rookie of the year, like Jason Kidd and Grant Hill did that one year. I'm, I know Mitchell is trying to go and use his whole definition of what a rookie is. I'm not knocking that. I mean, it's all fair. But I mean, if. The first rookie to lead his team in scoring as a playoff team since Carmelo Anthony. That's not even all that long ago. That's like 14, 15 years ago. Okay, great. Good job. You know, I mean... It's a very rare feat. It's impressive. It's it's a very rare feat, but you also play on a team that were that was... A playoff team in our minds 
and you're playing with Rubio, who's not a scorer. You're playing with Gobert. Okay, who's not hold, a on, hold on, hold on, hold so on. First, not, first things first. Asking and that much for him to score more points than they I'm, are. I'm gonna make it simple. I'm gonna make it simple for you, Liv. If Donovan Mitchell doesn't play the way he played this year, is Utah in the playoffs? Probably not. And and that's the point. There have been but, plenty of teams where but, rookies have led the team in scoring, but they're like 30 wins, 25 wins. Like, but, you know, this guy's leading the team in scoring, and they they didn't just, like, squeak into the playoffs. They're the number four seed. But are we going to – can't we can say the same thing about the Sixers? Oh, what? Well, that's why I'm saying co-rookie of the year. Co-rookie of the year to me at this point is just saying, like, look, you know – we know Simmons should win it, but look, we can't ignore what Mitchell's doing, so we have to give them co. But, but why is it? Well, why? Why are we? But that's my thing. Why is what Mitchell is doing seen as less? Why is it lesser in comparison to Simmons? Because yes, Mitchell is leading his team in scoring. Mitchell is doing a much better job in scoring, and and yes, Mitchell has has the most threes for a rookie. All those things are great. Take nothing away from him. What you have right now with Simmons, I mean, the eye test to me just tells me, like, this guy, this is the guy. This is the guy. Yes. I can't, I I can't, I can't even, I don't even, I've never put it up for debate. I just don't think it's a debatable thing. I well, that's not even that's not even me being a Sixers fan. It's just me looking at it and saying there's no way I'm going to compare what what Simmons is doing with Mitchell's doing. And I'm not taking away from Mitchell. You know, if if they win co MVP, fine. No problem. Cool, great, happy for Mitchell, happy for Simmons. But I'm not ready for Simmons to share that award right now. That's fine. I get it. And I'm not even saying Mitchell is, is a better player than, than Simmons. I'm just saying we're talking about rook, Ben Simmons' rookie season. We're talking about Donovan Mitchell's rookie season. And what I'm saying is both of their performances are deserving of rookie of the year. And that's fine. And so I'm just saying co-rookie of the year. I don't understand why we got to have them pitted against one another. I mean... Two of um two of the greatest um generational talents played the same rookie season and they got co rookie of the year. I mean, Jason Kidd and Grant Hill. I mean, if Grant Hill never got hurt, I mean, those were probably like two of the the best talents of of, of the upcoming decade, and they got co rookie of the year. I thought Melo should have got co rookie of the year with LeBron that year, and they didn't do it. Saying he should have won it, you were talking about Wade. Their numbers were very similar, and Melo even took his team to the playoffs in a but tougher that, Western that's Conference. When, that's when LeBron hate started. Yes, it all started from then. I mean, and I, and I don't, and I don't want your Ben Simmons hate to start now. I but mean, you know, a, huh? listen, I'm, I'm, I'm older now. I'm wiser. I'm not gonna take this out on Simmons. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm even saying Simmons. 
I think overall, complete package, Simmons is a better player. He's a better talent than Donovan Mitchell. Um, but if we're talking about their seasons and awards for this season, then I think they should both win it. I think they both have had rookie of the year worthy seasons. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to this one more time, and I'm gonna, I'm going to say this, and I'm gonna just leave it here. Here we go. We're looking at what Ben said. Now you already said you you said something. You was like, well, Melo led his team to the playoffs. You know, and they were a playoff team. Blah blah blah. Last year, the Sixers were 28 and 54. They were horrible. They, they were bad. They, they were bad. But would they have only won 28 games if Embiid played a full season? You probably win a few more. They were probably they would have won like 35 to 38 35, wins. 35 games. 35 games would have propelled them from 14 to 12 in the East. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, I mean, you're get, you're getting into dangerous waters. But with with crediting Philly's no, turnaround to Simmons, I'm not. But but here's what I'm saying. You made a point. You said, and I know we're getting off topic, but we have to talk about this. You said if Mitchell didn't play the way he did, are the Jazz a playoff team? The Jazz were a playoff team last year with a star that left to go to another team. Right. Fine, and they went and they got him, and he got on the team. I mean, it's not like Gordon Hayward's still on the Jazz, and Donovan Mitchell has that buffer to do what no, he needs to I'm, do. I know, I know. I'm just saying, we're just we're 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 pulling hairs here. To me, it's a no-brainer. It's not Ben Simmons is the Rookie of the Year. Everyone knows that, and if Mitchell's only argument. As Ben Simmons says, if his only argument is Ben Simmons, technically you're not a rookie. That's all. That's his. He's not even saying, "Look at my numbers." He's uh, all he's saying okay. is. Well, well, that point right there is a deflection and a tangent because that's not really the whole argument for Donovan Mitchell's case. I he, mean, he's having a great. He's having okay. a great season. I'm not gonna take away. From but his I don't season. understand why it's so. Why this has to be so exclusive. And why this has to be so uh, divisive? Like, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying the, I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell should win over Ben Simmons. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they should both win. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying they should both win. If you took out, if you you pull out both, you you take Ben Simmons, you take Donovan Mitchell, you take them out of this season. You put them in any other year in, like, NBA history, like any other year like LeBron or MJ or one of those guys wasn't a rookie. They're winning rookie of the year that year. They are. So you're saying just because they're going against each other right now? The whole reason why this has become, like, a, such an either-or thing is because they both happen to be having 
rookie of the year worthy seasons at the same time. So now, of course, everyone has to pick sides. And everyone is no. See, that's the thing. You don't have to. I, it's not an A or it's not an A or B decision. If Jason Kidd and Grant Hill could share Rookie of the Year honors, why can't we do that with Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell? Shoot. So why can't we do that with MVP awards? This never been done with MVP. But why not? I don't know. I don't know why not. I mean, so that's a that's a bit. You know, because Co-MVP you, is a lot different than Co-Rookie of the Year. Right it's the now, rookie right? season. Harden's the MVP in your mind? Who? Harden's the MVP in your mind. Yeah, Harden's MVP. In your mind. Yeah. You said Harden's MVP. Yeah, I'm giving it to Harden. I don't have any problems with that. I can argue that. with you and tell you right now LeBron should be the MVP. Yeah, but people can oh, argue gonna... every year about LeBron. I, I'm not going to give LeBron the MVP when when his team had like the worst chemistry it ever had. When he okay. when his team is the 29th ranked defensive team okay. in the league, you you could talk about all his personal accolades, but MVP okay. is lifts elevates the team. LeBron okay. LeBron he he did elevate the team, but so then what you're saying? Um, he had a team that was so bad that if he wasn't on there, they wouldn't make the playoffs, and now they're the fourth seed. Oh, all right, but. When you compare him, when you compare this team to themselves, and when you compare him to himself, like this isn't even like his 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 greatest season. And Harden is having arguably his greatest season, and this is his third or fourth. This is his fourth year. No, no, this is his third. This is his third year in a four-year run. Of having MVP caliber seasons, and he's on the best. He has the best team this year, and he's putting up some of the best numbers anyone's ever seen. As great as LeBron's numbers are, Le- James Harden's are equally impressive historically. 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 So, so now we're saying they're equal. So then, if they're equal, let's go have co MVPs. Why even have people pick sides? Oh my gosh, I'm I'm talking about rookie of the year because there's precedent for co rookie of the year. The reason I'm not talking about press co MVP because there's no precedent for that. If even though there's a precedent for co MVP, that doesn't mean that it's something that has to happen. And right well, now, I'm not saying it has to happen. What I'm saying is right now, these are two rookie of the year worthy candidates. These are two rookie of the year worthy candidates, and I think they have equal reasons to win in different ways. Equal reasons. Okay, fine. So let's go back. They have equal reasons to win in their own way, and because of that, you feel that they should be yes whole rookie of the year. Yes. They have. They both have reasons in which they could win. You can look at the stats. You can, if you look at the stats, Simmons wins. If you look at the eye test, to me, it's still Simmons. I just don't understand. I mean, you have a 6'10", 6'11", point guard. I mean, so ultimately, it's really going to bother you if, if, you're, if, you're, if your guy, Ben Simmons, has to share this trophy. No. I don't. Like I told you, if, it, if they share it, it's fine, whatever. I mean, you've I just do, do you've I just made this whole this whole argument has been about how it's not fine, though. I'm just saying that 
I'm just saying, you're saying you don't, why do you have to pick sides? You. In this specific case, yes. I'm not, I'm not saying as a generality, why do we have to pick sides? But I'm just saying in this particular case, and I really do feel like this is a special case. I feel like we have a special season and a special case with two special rookies that should win. That's all I'm saying. That's all I am saying. And there's precedent for a co-rookie of the year. Done. <laughs> and listen, I know it rubs some people the wrong way. For whatever reason, to have a co-rookie of the year. But to me, these, this is an extenuating, extenuating circumstance. I feel like it really is. I'm not the type of person that always wants to do this, but I feel like this is extenuating circumstances. Look at the run Utah went on with Donovan Mitchell leading the way. Look at the run the Sixers went on with Ben Simmons leading the way. I mean, it, this is just a special year. Why not just recognize that and have them let them both win it? You know, I know, I know there's history. I you, know, I know you're gonna go and you're gonna say Grand Hill and Jason Kidd. You, I think like, another one. I think there was another one too. I think yeah. wasn't it Steve Francis and Nelson Brand? Didn't they share it too? Possibly, yeah. I mean, so I mean, you're coming off like your whole point is, but I don't like it. Like that's ultimately like the theme of your of your counterpoint. Like <laughs> I don't like it, and just because it's like they both having great seasons. But it's not even yeah, just. It, but no, like calling it great seasons isn't really like getting the gist of it. Like these are two special seasons. Like, like it's it's very rare. It's very rare to have anyone in their rookie season have a performance like either player. It's especially rare to have two at this level. And I mean, and to show how great their seasons are, there are several other candidates who you could have easily given rookie of the year to in other seasons. Jason Tatum would have been in a, ha- a hands-down Rookie of the Year candidate in most other years. Kyle Kuzma could have been a, a Rookie of the Year con- candidate in other years. He had several 30-point performances like that's doing stuff only like Magic Johnson and people like that did before. So you, you've got a handful of other guys that could have, could have really been in consideration. But these guys were so great, they just, they just killed that argument altogether. And but I still feel like they're still neck and neck and to me. They're still neck and neck. Happened. That that happens. Yeah, that happens though. Like it there's a lot of times when you have series where people are competing against one another. Not series, but years where you got two top caliber players who can both be rookie of the year and they pick one. But I mean, I'm not I just don't think it's one of those things where you have to go and say, look, you know, you, you got to pick one or, or you have to pick both of them because you, you pick both of them. You know, you can't choose. They both have a good argument. Pick one. And I think it's Ben Simmons. I just. Well, well there you have it. I think we I think we got to we'll leave it there. We'll leave it yeah. there. We we derailed the, the episode enough as it is with this convo i mean it was fun it was a good debate 
Um, and it was kind of related because both of these guys are in the playoffs, and these are players we're looking forward to seeing how they do in the playoffs. Um, I mean, this was a great episode. I really love this playoff preview. Um, I, I love the, all of our matchup predictions, the fun. Excuse me, the finals predictions, all of that was great. I mean, yeah, I got, you know, <laughs> Leif is demonstrably, like, agitated right now. Like, it's it's a rare sight. Uh, this was fun. I mean, we don't usually have, we don't usually get into it like that. So this was fun. This was good. I liked it. And, um, you know, thanks for coming on, talking with me about it. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, you know where to find the pod. You can find us on Apple, Apple Podcast. Um, you can find us on Overcast, on Google Play. Check us out on Twitter at Pace and Space Pod. You can find us at Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Pace and Space Podcast. Of course, as you know, you're listening to the Pace and Space Podcast. You know, it it, it can't be the unofficial official podcast of Kyle Kuzma right now because we're in the playoffs and unfortunately my Lakers did not make the playoffs. So, you know what? To, to give you an olive branch, Leif, for the remainder of the playoffs, we are the official unofficial podcast of Ben Simmons. Well, why can't they, why can't Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell share? All right, good night, good night, that's it, that is it. I I give you an olive branch, and you just smack it away. You just smack it away, you spit on it, you like grind it into the floor with your boot. That's it, that's will, it. It's okay, we will make this the official pod, at least on my end, of Ben Simmons, well-deserved. There you go. There you go. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Leif, anything else you want to say to everybody? Man, thank you all for listening. We had a great time today. This was fun. Yeah, this we had a good time. This was a lot of fun. I had a really good time. And as always, Calvin. Stay woke and stay mellow. Peace.